Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network and the Environmental Justice Report on Blog Talk Radio. This week we're doing Progressive News Network. Next week we'll probably be doing our environmental show. My name is Janine Moloff, and I am the producer, host, and journalist. Uh, Last week we did have a caller, and I tried to entertain his questions uh, before we start the show, but he called the show a monologue. You're kept referring to my monologue. <clears throat> Excuse me. This show's not a monologue. This show is basically a news magazine. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Not such good voice today. This is a news magazine, and we present different, uh, you know, different articles. I always document where I found news articles. And uh, a monologue would imply that I'm just spouting off my opinion with no attribution, no documentation, nothing. So I kind of resented that because, again, this is not a monologue. Um, And it was just kind of a slightly catty dig when the fact is this is me presenting news that I think is important to cover. (laughs) I'm sorry, people. Mm. Heading into winter always this issue. So let's get into it. So the advert has changed a couple of times for today's show because so much is going on. It's insane. So if you saw the advert, it says, pass the press act, stop criminalizing journalism. And the the entry I wrote is, you know, the following. This week's programming has changed. Uh, I'm going to cover the ongoing criminalization of actual journalism, the ongoing quest to extradite Julian Assange, uh, also an older bill which was renewed that would halt government prosecutions of journalists for using their First Amendment rights, and that's the Press Act. But first, I'm going to talk about another bill that would extend dubious copyright claims to links listed in online journalism. Keep in mind, a link is the equivalent of a footnote, but we'll talk about that. I also mentioned journalistic giant Daniel Ellsberg. He's also entered the fray regarding the Press Act. Uh, Daring the Biden administration, I'm sorry, daring the Biden Department of Justice to charge him since he was also in in receipt of the WikiLeaks files. Journalists worldwide are banding together to fight ongoing government suppression of the truth. In Congress, the present House did pass a bill, I think it was back in April, that would protect journalists, and there is a Senate version that is being duly ignored by Chuck Schumer, as well as the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Senator Dick Durbin, uh, as well as other corporate Dems. And the bill is the Press Act, which is basically an acronym for Protect Reporters Against Excessive State Suppression. Now, the Press Act passed the House unanimously this year. Okay, that meant Republicans also voted for it, but it's been shuttled to the trash in the Senate. This bill can become law if the Senate votes to pass it and Biden signs off, but corporate Democrats are running out of time. Frankly, I question if corporate Democrats are actually running out the clock in true cowardly fashion. We're going to get to that. Um this bill, the press bill, the press act must become law given the move towards fascism in this country. We don't need empty symbolism 
of what the we don't need the empty symbolism of watching, for instance, Hakeem Jeffries become the next Democratic minority leader in the House uh, when the law to diversity is merely cosmetic, not reflecting a true diversity of thought. You know, in the House, if the House Dems that are going to be the minority, we're really looking for not only diversity in terms of identity, but also diversity of thought. There are other black members of the House, you know, um, that could actually do the same thing. Uh, you know, there are members of the squad that are black women that could have taken Hakeem Jeffries' place. But once again, Hakeem Jeffries is corporate, and that's what they really wanted. Uh, then it says our second story, but it's really the next story after that which deals with Kirsten Cinema. I had to add that suddenly her sudden departure from the Democratic Party has been billed as by Cinema that is as an honest attempt to break with what she called division and partisanship. And you see the mainstream read corporate press with all the hand wringing, trying to understand poor Kirsten. There's nothing to understand. It's not about division. It's not about partisanship. It was about her political survival because the Arizona De Democratic Party has denounced her because, again, she goes against her own constituents. But it's also the fact that Cinema day she entered the U.S. Senate, has been an intentional disruptor. And her departure from the Democrats provides her with in, more opportunity, in my opinion, to basically extort influence from both sides of the political aisle. Okay, so the order of which we're doing this, first we're going to talk about this other, not the Press Act, but this other uh, bill that has that was attached to the NDAA, um, and that, again, it was mentioned in the beginning here, this is the bill that would extend, theoretically, copyright claims to links. So, and we're going to get to that right now, and that bill is called the JCPA, which stands for Journalism Competition Preservation Act. Now, it was attached originally as a writer to the NDAA, which was a must-pass bill. The NDAA is the defense bill. It's NDAA stands for the National Defense Authorization Act. And this is what funds our military. Okay, So, you know, must-pass. And when I say this was attached as a writer, those of you that don't know politics very well, a writer is an amendment or a, another piece of legislation that is attached, that literally rides onto this bigger bill, like an omnibus bill or a must-pass bill, that nobody really pays attention to. So it gets passed by default without really any inspection or debate or anything else. It's an illegitimate um, tactic. It's been used by both parties. And... You know, this particular Journalism Competition Preservation Act, or the JCPA, has aspects of it that are so incredibly dangerous to independent journalists that it never should have been put in, the, you know, it never should have been attached as a writer to a must-pass bill. And it was done so because its main sponsor, Senator Amy Klobuchar, knew full well it was illegitimate. So let's go to that first. And this is a bill that has been pushed by Klobuchar and some others. Um, and it has been, there's a massive letter by multiple journalistic and civil rights groups uh, denouncing it. Okay. 
So let's go to the piece of legislation itself, and it's a piece of crap, okay? So this is from Senator Amy Klobuchar's own website, uh, klobuchar.senate.gov. And this news release was um, it was written August 22nd of 22. And the headline is Klobuchar Kennedy, that means Senator John Kennedy, who's a Republican, Cicilline, I've never heard of him, Buck Durbin, Senator Durbin, Nadler released updated bipartisan journalism bill. Now, a lot's been said about bipartisanship, but I just want to say these people that push bipartisanship that are corporate, they make it sound like this is compromise so that everybody gets a little something they want. But what they're, what they're really doing is shutting down any open discussion. Bipartisanship in and of itself is not necessarily uh, unilaterally virtuous. You know, if both sides decide that they're going to strip somebody of their civil rights, that's not, not a good thing. You know, bipartisanship, which is aimed at what? All right? But they're touting this bipartisanship crap. So... You know, these are the sponsors are Senator Amy Klobuchar. She's the lead sponsor and the author, Democrat, Minnesota. Senator John Kennedy, Republican, Louisiana. Here it goes. Representative David Cicilline, Democrat, Rhode Island. Representative Ken Buck, Republican, Colorado. And Senate and House Judiciary Committee chairs, Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat, Illinois, and Gerald Nadler, Congressman Gerald Nadler, Democrat, New York. Now, for judiciary chairs to be on board with this is a disgrace. And you're going to find out why in a few minutes. So according to this press release from Klobuchar's office, they released, quote, a revised and expanded version of the Bipartisan Journalism Competition and Preservation Act to address dominant online platforms' power over news organizations. The bill removes legal obstacles to news organizations' ability to negotiate collectively and secure fair terms from gatekeeper platforms that regularly access news content without paying for its value. The legislation also allows news publishers to demand arbitration if they reach an impasse in those negotiations, end quote. Now, this is all about paying for use, okay, copyright. Now, Klobuchar actually had the gall to include this, um, this quote. Quote, as the daughter of a newspaper man, I understand firsthand the vital role that a free press plays in strengthening our democracy. But, and I say, ha. She goes on to say, quote, but local news is facing an existential crisis in our country with ad revenues plummeting, newspapers closing, and many rural communities becoming news deserts without access to local reporting. To preserve strong, independent journalism, we have to make sure news organizations are able to negotiate on a level playing field with the online platforms that have come to dominate news distribution and digital advertising, end quote. Now, Klobuchar is, according to this, the chair of the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Competition, Policy, Antitrust, and Consumer Rights. She goes on to say, quote, our bipartisan legislation ensures media outlets will be able to engage in good faith negotiations to receive fair compensation from the big tech companies that profit from their news content, allowing journalists to continue their critical work of keeping communities informed, end quote. Okay, so 
this, and you've got some other quotes here from these other people. This is absurd. All right. What is in this? Well, when it was first introduced, there were uh, some other people that objected. And so one of the things that Klobuchar put in this particular bill as an amendment, and this is really outrageous here, um, it basically, according to this, according to the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is an advocacy group, the bill, okay, let me back up. Klobuchar is the main author, author, and she, you know, plays an alleged progressive on TV, but there's nothing progressive about the lady, at least not when it comes to newspapers or when it comes to fiscal issues. So according to the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is a free press advocacy group, um, this bill, quote, assumes a non-existent copyright in links and snippets, end quote. Now, why is a link important? As an online journalist, when I write an article, I cite my source. That's what you're supposed to do. And when you're online, there's a couple ways you can do it. One is you could put like an old-fashioned bibliographic type, you know, an old-fashioned uh, bibli- an old-fashioned, um, let me, you could put an old-fashioned uh, linking of a source just like in bibli- bibliography form. The reader couldn't click onto it to verify that that particular uh, source backed up your point. But with a link, you can do so. So you put a link there, and the reader can click on and check to see if what you stated, according to this other source, is actually true. To put it bluntly, a link is the equivalent of of an online footnote. Really. Um, And so... You have to wonder, how is this copyright infringement? All right? But they're claiming that it is. So I had some some problems with this, all right? So, for instance, when I write an article, I use free sourcing, all right? Um, If I encounter a paywall, if I'm not a subscriber, I'm just not going to use that source. And I don't know if maybe Klobuchar was thinking that, well, if the reader clicks on to the link, they get a free ride to read that other source, and they don't have to pay for it. But, you know, nowadays, let's say you're reading an article in Huffington Post, and you see a link, and you click on that link. If it is subscriber only, you click on that link, you're going to hit a paywall anyway. So unless you're a hacker, you're not going to be able to, quote, steal something. And that's what they're doing. They're accusing uh, journalists that use links as footnotes of stealing. So the idea being that small press like mine, when I put a link into a written article, like say for BuzzFlash or Op-Ed News or Nation of Change, that I am somehow in copyright infringement. And this is serious because there are criminal penalties for copyright infringement. In fact, according to uh, I think it's USC's 506. Uh, copyright infringement can include, under 18 USC, that is, um, a $250,000 fine, a maximum of 10 years in prison, or both. So this is serious stuff here, folks. So let's see what these particular groups had to say against this bill. All right. So... 
there was a group letter to Congress against the JCPA. Again, this Journalism Competition Preservation Act pushed by Amy Klobuchar. It should also be noted that Klobuchar, before she was a U.S. Senator, before she was a prosecutor, so she was before she was a U.S. Senator, Amy Klobuchar was a prosecutor in Minnesota. Before she was a prosecutor, guess what dear Amy was? Amy was a corporate attorney. In fact, she was a partner in a corporate law firm. And what was her specialty for this corporate law firm? Telecommunications law. Do you really think this woman cares about small presses? You know, all of a sudden now she claims that she's on the side of the little guy. No, she's not. Okay, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Get real. So there is this group letter to congressional leadership against the JCPA, the Journalism Competition Preservation Act's inclusion in the National Defense Authorization Act. And I'm just going to read from it. Today, public knowledge joined 26 public interests, consumer advocacy, and civil society groups, as well as trade associations, media companies, and others, in a letter urging congressional leadership to exclude the JCPA, the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, from any pending legislation, including any must-pass bill funding military activities, end quote. So I've got this letter here. And it was sent to Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Kevin McCarthy, and Mitch McConnell. It's a little long, but I'm going to read from it because it's important. All right, here we go. Dear Speaker Pelosi, Minority Leader McCarthy, Majority Leader Schumer, and Minority Leader McConnell, we write today to express our continuing opposition to the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, an act that would create an ill-advised antitrust exemption for publishers and broadcasters, we urge you not to include the JCPA in any pending legislation, including the NDAA. This bill, despite months of advocacy and multiple revisions, contains far too many contradictions, complexities, and problems to be included in any omnibus or must-pass legislation. Many of the organizations listed below noted the issues with this bill in September in a letter signed by a broad cross-section of organizations focused on protecting and advancing our democracy and its democratic values. They included civil, civil society organizations, librarians and archivists, creators, technology companies, experts in antitrust, copyright, constitutional and digital rights law, and media news groups. While the group listed below represents a broad range of policy positions, we join in the view that this legislation should not be passed. We are well aware that local news, newspapers in particular, is in crisis. Many of the organizations whose names appear below have passionately advocated for public policy solutions to ensure citizens have the quality information they need to engage in civil life and the political process. We've learned again through the current election cycle how essential quality information is to the preservation of our democracy. However, the JCPA will compound some of the biggest issues in our information landscape and do little, little to enable the most promising new models to improve it. As a group, our organizations identified the following serious concerns with the JCPA. Now, I'm going to stop reading here for a minute. They're talking about antitrust. I know this sounds kind of complex. But what they're really talking about is something that could result in the prosecution 
of independent small presses and small journalists for basically linking, which is, again, the equivalent of a footnote, and calling that a copyright violation. It would destroy independent presses. It just would, because you'd risk criminal prosecution. That's what this is about. And in terms of... Um, me. In terms of the claims that this somehow will create um, a better platform online, if this isn't necessary, if you want to remedy the problem of online mon- uh, of big of big media uh, monopolizing certain things, all you have to do is bring back net neutrality and change the algorithm. You don't need to trample on the rights of independent journalists. Keep in mind, Amy Klobuchar, the lead author, is an expert in telecommunications law. She knows better. All right, back to the letter. So here are the following serious concerns with this act. Quote, language from the Senate amendment in the nature of a substitute forces platforms to negotiate for payments and to carry the content of any digital journalism provider that becomes part of a joint negotiation entity regardless of how extreme their content. The JCPA would permit a digital journalism provider to bring a legal action against a covered platform to hold it liable for limiting the reach of content the platform owner finds offensive or contrary to its terms of service or community standards. This is basically saying, I'm going to divert from this letter. This is basically saying that this law would, I guess, the, the authors are trying to claim that it that it'll reduce misinformation, but it really is it'll censor is what it'll do. And even though I I despise the far right and the neo Nazi movement, I'm not for censorship. That's what this really would would um, let me back up here. So this particular legislation would allow a provider to literally sue if. If, let me back up. I was wrong. If basically the platform censored them. All right. So this would actually increase misinformation. Keep in mind, so I, I can admit when I'm wrong. Fox News, good example, talk about an oxymoron. Fox News has, you know, doesn't even need to worry about this because, let's be honest about it, um, they don't cite sources. Okay. But under this, they could sue Facebook or whatever for limiting them. You know, so if, if there's already laws in the book about incitement to violence, we don't need to censor and allow them to sue. All right. And when people talk about free speech rights, well, the First Amendment is against government interference. These are Facebook, for instance, a private company. <clears throat> yes. They can decide who they allow on and who they don't. We don't like it, but that's just a fact. All right. Um, so that's this is a. They go on to say this is a direct assault on a bedrock principle of content moderation on the on the internet. And we'll okay. Let me back up here. So language from this Senate amendment in the form of a substitution forces platforms to negotiate for payments and to carry the content of any digital journalism provider that becomes part of a joint negotiation entity, regardless of how extreme their content. I hate legalese, but basically it lets haters sue 
no matter how defamatory their statements are. You know, they would have, this would not decrease misinformation, it would actually increase it. Um, so the JCPA would permit, I'm reading from Glider again, would permit a digital journalism provider to bring a legal action against a covered platform to hold it liable for limiting the reach of content the platform owner finds offensive or contrary to its terms of service or community standards. This is a direct assault on a bedrock principle of content moderation on the Internet and will increase the amount of networked disinformation, hate speech, and harassment found there. So I can admit when I was wrong. This form of government mandate for covered platforms to carry and pay is also contrary to First Amendment protections. This bill is also artificially one-sided. Consideration of any benefit provided to any negotiating publisher or broadcaster for being listed in search of gaining reach on a platform. This is the government that is actually slamming free speech and free press. The letter goes on to say the JCPA sets a legal and political precedent that some uses of content that were once free of charge now require payment. That's the thing about the link and copyright infringement. The rule of construction of the JCPA may not be interpreted to expand or impair copyrights under Title 17, may limit the extent to which the JCPA is cited to limit fair use or to create great broad new ancillary copyrights over linking. However, the basic mechanism of the bill appears to create an ancillary copyright if limited to certain major platforms, an approach recently rejected by the Copyright Office. The bill's basic mechanism expands the rights of content owners beyond the traditional bounds of copyright law in ways that would prove detrimental to the public interest. Requiring payment for using facts also flies in the face of Supreme Court precedent based on the First Amendment that no one may own facts. This is the thing, and this is the thing that I find really objectionable. It would basically grant... Um, it basically grants or, quote, assumes a non-existing copyright in links and snippets. Again, when an author puts a link as documentation, it's the equivalent of a footnote. And again, this thing, nobody owns facts. But this basically expands. These big copyright owners, these big media companies could go after anybody. It would shut down free press. And again, Amy Klobuchar knows better. The letter goes on to say, large, quote, large media conglomerates can dominate negotiations and small outlets would be unheard of if not hurt. Despite claims that the bill is, quote, designed to benefit small and local publishers exclusively, end quote, a publisher employee cap of 1,500 would exclude only the nation's three largest newspapers from participating in negotiations. So basically, if you... Um, if you're a big publisher, it, 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 you're, you get a freebie. The cap could also create unintended consequences such as layoffs or transitions to more part-time or freelance employees. So this is supposed to benefit small local publishers, but a small or local publisher that would be excluded goes up to 1,500 employees. That's crazy. Um, let's see now. The one publisher, one vote provision for negotiating entities underplays the forms of soft power large conglomerates with brand name news outlets can bring to the negotiations. In fact, the bill encourages and may help fund more consolidation among both newspapers and broadcasters. 
All right. There's a little more. The next part says, quote, not only are broadcasters now included, the bill favors big ones. In fact, the JCPA favors big broadcasters such as News Corp, Sinclair, iHeart, and Comcast NBCU over any other form of journalism, and it undermines the stated goal of helping local news. The bill's 1,500 employee cap does not apply to broadcasters, so it won't keep the largest broadcasters in the United States from benefiting from what is framed as intended to help local journalism. Although the bill purports to exclude television networks as beneficiaries, it explicitly it excludes from the definition of television network any network station owned and operated by a network. And the bill applies to all radio licensees, so again, the largest group owners will benefit without any enforceable requirement that they invest in local programming. The bill further privileges large group owners by permitting individual licenses to each count as individual members of joint negotiating entities, each therefore receiving one vote despite their common ownership and control. The owners will therefore control the governance of these entities and take the lion's share of revenue. Okay, this is a long, drawn-out way of saying this is a gift to big media. (coughs) Excuse me. So, it goes on to say, quote, as reported by the Senate Judiciary Committee, the bill has no provisions requiring that funds gained through negotiation or arbitration will even be paid to journalists. The House Judiciary Committee may have been considering amendments that attempt to create accountability for how funds are spent. Since they don't preclude transfers of funds within news organizations, they would be meaningless. We also know, we're still reading straight from it, we also note that the bill still creates collective bargaining rights for some of the same news organizations They're actively denying their own journalists the same rights. We're almost done. Again, still reading from the the letter. Quote, historically antitrust exemptions have not accomplished beneficial goals and instead have harmed competition and consumers, uh, have harmed competition and consumers, entrenched existing power structures, and increased codependence between powerful industry incumbents. The JCPA will cement and stimulate consolidation in the industry and create new barriers to entry for new and innovative models of truly independent local journalism. There are other policy solutions to the crisis in local journalism. We strongly urge you not to pass the Journalism Competition Preservation Act and the NDAA or any other omnibus legislation. And the group that signed off on this letter, well, I'm going to read them off. The American Civil Liberties Union, Association of Research Libraries, Authors Alliance, Center for Democracy and Technology, Chamber of Progress, Coalition of Creativity, Common Cause, Computer and Communications Industry Association, uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, I'm not going to read all of them, uh, Free Press Action, Library Futures, um, Public Knowledge, Tech Dirt, United Church of Christ Media Justice Ministry, and the Wikimedia Foundation, there's some others, I'm not going to mention them all. Put bluntly, this allows, it does the exact opposite of what Klobuchar claims. And keep in mind, Amy Klobuchar, before she was a U.S. Senator, she was a prosecutor. Before she was a prosecutor, she was working for a corporate law firm. In fact, she was a partner in a corporate law firm, and her specialty was, guess what, the telecommunications law industry. So she knows better. 
This will not accomplish Klobuchar's goals at all. That's, I'm just going to put out there. It's bullshit. Okay? If anything, the main points that are problematic is, one, this will increase greater consolidation of big, big monopoly giants. Two, it will allow the purveyors of misinformation and hate speech the right to sue platforms that are moderating on their platform against violent hate speech, against what can only be called libel and defamation. And they can sue for it, which is nonsense. That's going to actually increase, not only misinformation, it's going to increase hate speech. And then the thing that affects people like me is this bogus expansion of copyright copyright ideas, okay? The idea that when an author puts a link in an article for attribution purposes, you know, maybe, for instance, uh, I know I'm working on a piece right now as part of my um, judicial capture series for BuzzFlash, and this one's on originalism, the legal idea of originalism is a scam, and I'm quoting a lot from legal expert Erwin uh, Shermerinsky, who's also the dean of the UCLA Law School. When I put a link there, especially if it's a copyright, to, let's say, uh, an interview that a mainstream publication did of Shermerinsky, and I put the link down, the link is to tell the reader where I got my information. And it also attributes, in other words, it tells me, it tells the reader, this wasn't my original idea, I got it, this was Erwin Shermerinsky's idea, for instance, and I saw it in an interview um, on CNN, okay? They could come after me and say, no, you got to pay for a copyright. You got to pay a fee for copyright because that's stealing. But linking is the online equivalent of putting a footnote. It has nothing to do with copyright at all. But why would Klobuchar include this? Because it, it would potentially shut down a lot, only a lot of smaller presses, but smaller aggressive presses who can't afford expensive lawyers. And then I had some questions, especially about the linking as copyright nonsense. So for instance, if I'm using a free source, like, keep in mind, Huffington Post is free. How can linking to a free source with full attribution, crediting to the author, be copyright infringement? You don't own facts. And the Supreme Court in this letter said the same thing. Um, you know, again, Klobuchar claims that this will reduce disinformation. How? Large media like Fox almost never cite any sources, so there's not going to be any links. You know, the ACLU and the Electronic Frontier Foundation have pointed out what the real problem is. It's the algorithm, which is a computer mathematical term, but, you know, basically when we lost net neutrality, it created more expensive lanes on the Internet. If you think of the Internet as an information superhighway, you need to bring back net neutrality so nobody's content is given preferential treatment because they can afford to pay a bribe, all right? Um, and that means fix the, al the algorithm. But linking is not copyright infringement. It's a footnote. 
And you would think a an attorney who's a specialist in the telecommu- in telecommunications law would know better. Of course she knows better. But, you know, once again, this is basically a piece of garbage. And then on top of it, Klobuchar and her buddies, they inserted this as a writer into a must-pass bill, the defense bill, the NDAA. If you have a legitimate argument, you don't need to sneak thief it onto another bigger piece of legislation. Okay? So, um, that's that part of this of this particular program. And, you know, it, it, it's really, it, it amounts to, especially with the linking as copyright infringement, it's a link tax. All right? And even the Supreme Court has said no one owns facts. So if a reporter for, you know, CNN writes a piece and they link a fact that they read somewhere, CNN doesn't own that fact. So if I'm writing a piece and I link it to that CNN piece, no, it's not. And in order to protect myself because copyright infringement carries prison sentences, I'm going to do what I did at the beginning of my career. When I was publishing on HuffPost, I, you know, I started out in like 08, and I didn't know anything about computers. I barely knew how to send email. I didn't know what downloading or uploading was. I didn't know how to copy and paste. I was just word processing. If I have to, I'll just go back to the old-fashioned list, uh, listing my source like you would on a bibliography. But this is really outrageous. Okay, so you can read up more about this copyright creep. Um, You know, Electronic Frontier Foundation has a lot of information about it. There's a piece by Catherine Trendacosta that's published on the Electronic Frontier Foundation uh, website. The headline is Stop the Copyright Creep. Um, You know, once again, this is... um, something that we will be talking about in future in future programming there's just i had to mention this and there's so much information we can't cover it all in just one show okay so go on all right um i'm going to go now to my next piece all right so we were talking about the press act okay And the Press Act is a way to protect reporters that might be using, for instance, confidential or secret information, but in a whistleblower capacity, all right? Um, A lot of people and a lot of mainstream media, they'll call out WikiLeaks and Julian Assange uh, as some sort of traitor. Um, Some people call Assange a journalist. I tend to think that what Bradley, I mean, now Chelsea Manning handing it over to Julian Assange, I tend to think that what they did was whistleblowing, which should be, you know, we have a right to know when our government's committing crimes in our name. And so this particular press act would protect a lot of journalists. All right. Now, um, Excuse me. This is the PRESS Act, P-R-E-S-S. It's an acronym for Protect Reporters from Exploitative State Spying. This isn't about copyright. This is about criminal charges. And 
you have to, you know, you have to realize um, we, some of the biggest stories about government abuse came from whistleblowers. All right. So this was, this bill has actually been passed earlier, I think in 07 and 09 and 13, and it keeps getting stalled in the Senate. So this past April, April 6, 2022, uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin, uh, his website released, and, and I'm sorry, I'm, I apologize, I'm kind of having some disfluency today. That's why we have all the stops and starts. Uh, this is a press release, and it's from Rep- Congressman Jer- Jamie Raskin's uh, website. And the press release dated April 6, 2022, says Representative Raskin's Press Act passes Judiciary Committee with unanimous support. That meant Republicans voted for it also. All right. And so on April 6, 2022, the House Judiciary Committee voted to pass H.R. 4330, which is the it's the House version, the Protect Reporters from Exploitative State Spying Press Act. It was introduced by Raskin, as well as Congressman John Yarmuth and Congressman Ted Lieu. And according to this press report, press release, it says that would, quote, safeguard a free and independent press by establishing a federal statutory privilege to protect journalists from being compelled to reveal confidential sources and prevent federal law enforcement from abusing subpoena power, end quote. This has been about, for instance, when WikiLeaks hit the fan. It embarrassed both Republicans and Democrats. And like, for instance, then it was the Obama administration, and Trump did the same thing afterwards, where they used the Espionage Act of 1917 to charge journalists and to go after them because they wouldn't reveal their sources. Now, in journalism, if you have a confidential source who's frightened for their life, for instance, you have to be able to keep their confidentiality. If you can't, your information's cut off. All right? So this is, you know, standard journalistic um, practice. And this is about, you know, how both Democrats and Republicans attack journalists. So this law is really important. So Raskin was quoted as saying, quote, I'm delighted that the House Judiciary Committee passed my press act on a unanimous bipartisan voice vote. The constitutional promise that no law shall abridge the freedom of the press instructs us to protect journalists from government overreach and abuse of the subpoena power. Today, this committee has made good on that promise. Okay. goes on to say, quote, I'm, I'm grateful to Chairman Nadler for including this crucial legislation in today's markup, and I'm thankful for to my colleagues on the Judiciary Committee for unanimously supporting its passage, end quote. Keep in mind, Gerald Nadler also signed off to um, Amy Klobuchar's garbage uh, JCPA Act. You know, again, they're making it difficult for journalists to do their job. So let's go to what this is really about. So we have a source now. Uh, let's see now. Give me a second here. And this is about um, journalist Daniel Ellsberg. Okay. Remember the Pentagon Papers? So give me a second here. This is from uh, Common Dreams. 
and you got to remember, Daniel Ellsberg faced criminal prosecution with the Pentagon Papers. He won. He didn't go to jail, but he was facing some major criminal prosecution. And once again, this is something that is whether or not we're, you know, it's important whether or not we actually have a free press. Okay. So this is a piece written by Jessica Corbett and for Common Dreams, and it was published December 7th, just a few days ago. The headline says, revealing he too had Manning leaks, Ellsberg dares DOJ to prosecute him like Assange. And the subtitle, quote, let's take this to the Supreme Court, says the Pentagon Papers whistleblower, taking aim at what he argues is an unconstitutional use of the Espionage Act. And he's right, okay? Um, Whether you hate WikiLeaks, love WikiLeaks, don't know what you think of it, um, former military analyst, then Bradley Manning, and then he transitioned, now she is Chelsea Manning, went through, it was in the military, went through the chain of command to try and report what were war crimes. And Chelsea was basically told to shut up. And so basically, Chelsea, then Bradley, um, sent this information through channels to Julian Assange. And now, um, Daniel Ellsberg, who is the primary journalist and whistleblower from the Pentagon Papers, um, this past Tuesday, you know, revealed in a BBC News interview that the WikiLeaks publisher, that Assange had sent him a backup of leaked materials from Chelsea Manning. And so to quote Ellsberg, um, Ellsberg, Ellsberg was being interviewed by BBC Stephen Sacker. It was an on, on-camera interview. He said, quote, let me tell you a secret. I had possession of all the Chelsea Manning information before it came out in the press, end quote. He went on to say, I've never said that publicly. Okay. Uh, and apparently Assange had sent him the materials and included evidence um, as documented uh, again by Common Dreams on the collateral um, what was it? I can barely see it. The collateral um, murder videos. <clears throat> the, uh, this was this was evidence of war crimes that our military had committed. Okay, and apparently Assange had sent Daniel Ellsberg a backup in case quote they caught him and they got everything end quote. Now Daniel Ellsberg's 91 years old. Okay, uh, he. He went on to say, quote, he could rely on me to find some way to get it out. Okay. And, you know, he's right. Right. I remember the the Afghan war diaries. I remember the collateral damage videos, you know, where the drone operators were killing people and they were referring to these dead bodies as bug splat. You know, they murdered a reporter, I think it was from Reuters. Nothing happened. And he invited action by the Department of Justice. You know, Ellsberg went on to say in this interview, quote, I am now as indictable as Julian Assange as everyone who puts the information out, the papers, everybody who handled it. He goes on to say, quote, yes, I had copies of it, and I did not give them to an authorized person. So if they want to indict me for that, I will be interested to argue that one of the that one in the courts, whether the law that law is constitutional, end quote. And he's obviously referring to the Espionage Act of 1917. 
Okay, why we still have this law on the books is beyond me. The Espionage Law of 1917 is overly broad. Okay, it is a direct attack, not only on a free press that Woodrow Wilson pushed, it's an attack on free speech. Because back then in 1917, you, under the Espionage Act, you could, Espionage and Sedition Act, actually, you could have been prosecuted criminally and gone to prison for expressing a verbal opinion against World War One. We're not talking about top secret documents, nothing. That's what we're dealing with here. And it's ridiculous. All right. I know myself that I wrote a piece that ran in Huffington Post years ago, and I had some of the same information. And I remember I ended, um, let me think, I ended that particular piece with, um, you know, you know, uh, telling the uh, Attorney General, Mr. Holder, come and get me, Eric Holder. We either have a free press or we don't. And these archaic laws from over 100 years ago, they need to be reviewed and they need to go. Okay, the Espionage Act is um, – so let me back up here. So Ellsberg went on to say um, he compared the using the Espionage Act – as if it were a British Official Secrets Act. Um, the Espionage Act, according to Ellsberg, is, quote, used against whistleblowers, is unconstitutional, is a clear violation of the First Amendment. Of course it is, end quote. It just is. And Ellsberg's public confession, this came after editors and publishers, um, especially five major media outlets, um, and I'm, let me just read this here. Quote, Ellsberg's public confession comes after editors and publishers at five major media outlets that collaborated with WikiLeaks in 2010 for articles based on diplomatic cables from Manning released a letter late last month arguing that, quote, it is time for the U.S. government to end its prosecution of Julian Assange for publishing secrets, end quote. The letter goes on to say, quote, this indictment, namely of Assange, sets a dangerous precedent and threatens to undermine America's First Amendment and the freedom of the press. It goes on to say, quote, obtaining and disclosing sensitive information when necessary in the public interest is a core part of the daily work of journalists. If that work is criminalized, our public discourse and our democracy are made significantly weaker, end quote. Don't you find it, this is me talking now, don't you find it particularly odd that Donald Trump has yet to be criminally indicted for taking top secret documents. He's not a journalist. Putting them in an insecure place where anybody could see it, damaging our national security for real. Uh, you know, maybe he sold it. Who knows? He hasn't been criminally indicted. But when there is a legitimate, re a legitimate need to know about crimes our government has committed, by responsible journalists, that they're going after. All right? This isn't about equal application of law. This is about how the rich and powerful are never held accountable, and journalists are being increasingly criminalized. So this Ellsberg interview with the BBC reporter uh, comes after the – right after the – European Court of Human Rights confirmed earlier this month that Assange 
requested the tribunal to block its extradition to the United States. Okay? So, you know, once again, this is not hard to figure out. What WikiLeaks did, it as, and not just WikiLeaks, after that, um, the International Consortium of Independent Journalists, the Pandora Papers, this is about revealing, and the public need to know, revealing how the military, how the rich and powerful have committed massive crimes against humanity and the planet. We have a right to know. And a free press exposes the crimes of the rich and powerful. Period. We either have a Bill of Rights or we don't. So there's another piece here. Let me go back here now. Again in Wiki, um, again in Common Dreams, I'm sorry. I had to change things suddenly. You know, when I found out about, and I know I'm kind of scattered today, when I found about, out about the JCPA and um, Klobuchar's nasty bill, I hadn't read about it. I found out about it because I was listening, to, I was watching the Young Turks, Cenk Uger and Anna Kasparian, um, they were discussing it. Notice, no talk about it on Face the Nation, no talk about a meet the press. They're still following the horse race. Okay, so let's go to this, okay? Now, all right, give me a second here. I'm having trouble finding it. Sorry, folks. All right, here we go. Now, keep in mind the Press Act would protect whistleblowers like Assange, would protect whistleblowers like Ellsberg. And I don't want to hear this nonsense about these lawmakers are going to decide who's really a journalist. And they're, you know, they're going to limit it to those that make money at it, okay, that make an actual, a certain amount of income from it. You know, one of the best journalists in history, I.F. Stone or Izzy, he published this little newsletter, okay, out of New York. He never really made any money out of it. He wouldn't be called a journalist, even though he's, he was one of the best there is. The Press Act is needed to protect journalists. And I would say not just the Press Act. The Espionage Act of 1917 needs to be repealed or at least changed so it's not so overly broad. So there's another piece here in Common Dreams. It was written by Brett Wilkins, again, published on December 7th. And it's about the Press Act. Now, the headline is Journalism Defenders Push for Passage of Game-Changing Press Act. Now, the Press Act needs to actually get through the Senate Judiciary Committee. It hasn't seen the light of day. Senator Dick Durbin is the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's also one of the co-sponsors of Amy Klobuchar's garbage JCPA. Notice how Klobuchar and, yes, Dick Durbin want to protect big media so they can basically expand copyright privileges to footnotes or links, but they don't give a damn about protecting journalists against further government abuse. 
and I don't think it's my opinion, but I don't think it's no small it's no small coincidence that while Dick Durbin is on board with Klobuchar's garbage bill that again will extend copyright privileges to footnotes so that small publishers couldn't afford to do anything with uh, or face criminal charges of copyright infringement, they don't see fit to push the Press Act. It, it hasn't even come before the committee. Keep in mind, it passed. The Press Act, the, the House version passed through the House Judiciary Committee unanimously. Talk about bipartisanship. Okay. So one advocate was quoted as saying, quote, the Press Act is the most important free press legislation in modern times because it would finally stop the government from spying on journalists and threatening them with arrest for doing their jobs, end quote. And that's a fact. This is really, the Press Act really is a press shield law, period. Because let's face facts. If you want to really know what's going on, you're not going to get it from mainstream. I don't care what it is. You know. There are progressives that think that if they tune in to MSNBC, they're going to get news, or even Rachel Maddow. No, you want news, you go to Project Censored. You go to Common Dreams. You go to BuzzFlash. You go to The Intercept. You don't. You don't go to the corporate press. Because corporate said they're the ones that the business people said news is what they say it is. Okay. So apparently free press advocates just this past week were really trying to contact Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's office and really push this press act, okay? And time is of the essence. That's the problem, all right? So, for instance, Emily Hockett, who is a Technology Press Freedom Project fellow, uh, was quoted the following, quote, the time between an election and the inauguration of a new Congress or the lame duck as it is affectionately known, is ironically a time when things can happen on the Hill, in part because departing members don't have to worry about re-election. This year, the Senate has a unique opportunity to pass a landmark federal shield bill that would protect journalists from being forced to disclose source information and work product to federal agencies and courts with narrow exceptions. She goes on to say, quote, the Press Act has broad bipartisan support and is a reasonable common sense measure to protect the public's right to know. That's why it passed the House unanimously and why 49 states in the District of Columbia have similar protections. Your move, Senate, end quote. But now this particular press act in the Senate, the Senate version, was proposed in June of 21. It's been over a year by Senator Ron Wyden, who's a Democrat from Oregon. Uh, and w Senator Wyden noted that Trump's administration, quote, spied on reporters it suspected of no crimes in its hunt to identify their sources and prevent the American people from learning the truth about Trump's lawlessness and corruption, end quote. Now, this was, and, he, and uh, Wyden's office goes on to say that, quote, the Press Act, which is an acronym for the Protect Reporters from Excessive State Suppression Act, quote, would protect the free flow of information against gov government overreach, okay? Wyden's office went on to say, quote, specifically, the Press Act would shield journalists from court-ordered disclosure of information about a source and what the source told them unless disclosure of the protected information is necessary 
to prevent or to identify any perpetrator of an act of terrorism against the United States or necessary to prevent the threat of imminent violence, significant bodily harm, or death, end quote. So it's a compromise. There's nothing wrong with it. But, and the House version passed, but nothing's happened. It has to go through the, it has to go through the Senate Judiciary Committee. Who is the chair? Dick Durbin. Dick Durbin signed on to Amy Klobuchar's garbage JCPA bill because they are they want to make sure that big media gets every penny and by the way shuts down a lot of small press that a lot of it is progressive that shines a light on their inaction or available crimes but they don't they don't give a damn about this. Okay, so even after the Senate bill's introduction, the uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland um, made an announcement, and this is as documented by Politico.com. And the announcement was that the Department of Justice, quote, would end compulsory government seizures of information from journalists and other media professionals while while promising to further explain, develop, and codify these protections. DOJ's efforts to do so have been largely praised by press freedom advocates with the caveat that reform work must continue, end quote. And that's lovely on Merrick Garland's part, but we need an actual law. We need a press shield law. Now, there was an opinion piece that was published in the Chicago Sun-Times, and it was um, by John Cusack, the actor, John Cusack is also a founding member of an advocacy group called Freedom of the Press Foundation, which I love. Um, And he wrote that, quote, for democracy to survive, journalists must be protected from government surveillance and shielded from harassment, end quote. Cusack went on to say, quote, we cannot allow the government to survey just journalists and expose sources, even the threat of which produces a chilling effect on the press. Um, end quote. Cusack added, quote, if we expect journalists to expose corruption, I'm sorry, quote, if we expect journalists to expose corruption, speak truth to power, and print with a powerful don't want printed, end quote. And he's right, all right? But once again, where is Senator Dick Durbin? He's siding with corporate, along with his friend Amy Klobuchar. That's what he's doing. And really, the Press Act, this idea of a press shield law, really is just the completion of the promise of the First Amendment to a free press. All right? Uh, And there's more. Okay. Uh, Let me check my time real fast, fast, folks. Ooh, we have 56 minutes left. Um, We're not going to be able to get to everything I had planned today, and I apologize. There was so much going on. Um, there's another source, Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. Um, they have it. It's time to pass the Press Act. Again, you get the idea here. All right. Okay. Uh, freedom of the Press Foundation. There's a letter titled, Tell Senator Schumer to Pass the Press Act and Stop the Government from Spying on Journalists. It's written by Seth Stern, who's Director of Advocacy. Um, you know, once again, This is where everything is going. All right. 
Freedom of the Press Foundation. There's a piece written by Trevor Tim. The headline is, Now's the Time, Tell Senator Durbin to Advance the Press Act, the Historic Press Freedom Legislation. Okay? Once again, Senator Durbin, Durbin is sitting on it, put bluntly. He just is. Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. There's a headline, Progress on Shield Bill Slows in Senate Judiciary Committee. Okay? Let's look at that one. You know, people look at they you have to understand how the Senate works, okay? Yes, Chuck Schumer is the the leader, but it has to get through the committee first. And that's Senator Durbin. Okay. All right. So this is the reporters committee on for, for freedom of the press. You know, once again, this is something that has been going. This is dating back to 09. I take that back. So this has been going on for a long time before Durbin was in charge. So I, I've got so much information in front of me, and folks, I seriously need new glasses. So they have been attempting to pass a press shield bill since I think there was an attempt in 07, then in 09, then in 13, and each and every time it got through the House and it stopped in the Senate. And it was both by Democrats and Republicans alike. Okay? Um, we're not going to have time to talk much about Julian Assange, um, except the fact that this is information that is based on whistleblower reports. And the American people have a right to know if crimes have been committed in their names by our government, period. That's why we need the Press Shield Law. The Press Act, again, it won't endanger national security at all. It has appropriate compromises in it. Um, It would nullify the Espionage Act of 1917, which is overly broad. Once again, um, this is something that has to happen. Checking my time again here real fast here. Um, let's look at, let's see, give me a second here. There is this piece that was written a few days ago, and it was referred by, um, I saw it on Facebook, and it, and it was referred by Mickey Huff, who is a head of the uh, Project Censored uh, publication, which is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the, I won't say one of the, the best journalistic source out there. If you ever get a chance to check it, it's the news that either didn't make the news or was underreported. The sourcing for even for even short stories is so good you could use it for a doctoral dissertation. I kid you not. And they get there there's no favoritism. Um, so let's look at this. This is a headline former CIA directors um, institute. Give me a second here. Um, host event Okay. on the Assange case. And madness ensues. It's like uh, by Chip Givens. Okay. And this is on Sheer Post. Yes, here we go. Um, and this was published December 10th. So apparently there's an institution that was founded by former CIA Director Michael V. Hayden, 
Ugh, remember that guy. And it hosts a panel on WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, his case. Now, according to this, they billed it, quote, as a debate over whether he was a techno-spy or modern-day journalist and drew the attention of several Assange supporters, end quote. So I'm reading straight from the piece, okay? And this was written by Chip Gibbons, and it ran in The Dissenter. Um, so press freedom advocates, as well as Assange's uh, American defense attorney, they said, look, um, they held their own in this particular little talk, okay? Um, there were also U.S. national security state defenders on the panel, and they were the ones that kind of went way off the um, way off the beaten path in terms of their, what the state what they were trying to claim was true. In fact, they went, they made allegations according to this piece and insinuations that, quote, U.S. prosecutors have not even made, end quote. Um, It goes on to say, quote, the wildest claims came from a former FBI official who urged people not to focus on specifics while claiming WikiLeaks smelled like a Russian intelligence operation, end quote. So this is the, apparently, this guy came from the Michael V. Hayden Center for Intelligence Policy and International Security. And that particular center is part of George Mason University. I'm not shocked. Um, Hayden, you have to remember, Mike Hayden, and what the omit oh, is General Mike Hayden, okay? Uh, apparently, he's the only person that headed up both the CIA and the National Security Agency. Before that, he was a military general. Let's get it straight here, okay? So Mike Hayden has a major conflict of interest. Um, Hayden's time at the NSA, I'm just reading straight from this quote, Hayden's time at the NSA was marked by a dramatic expansion of the surveillance state. His legacy includes illegal warrantless surveillance surveillance of U.S. citizens that violated not only the Fourth Amendment, but also the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA. End quote, okay? Uh, Apparently, Hayden was also um, known for actively suppressing criticism within the NSA ranks. Uh, He also increased reliance on, quote, private for-profit contractors, and that is as documented by, oh, this is hard to see. I'm sorry, folks. By TimSharrock.com oligarchy of spies the headline was the nsa for how a toxic mix of cronyism and fraud blinded the agency before 9-11 i'm not a fave i'm not a fan of privatization of government functions i think it's a horrible idea so apparently general hayden so let's just call him mike hayden let's give us full time general michael hayden basically pushed surveillance that was a violation of, of American citizens, that is, he violated the Fourth Amendment and the FISA Act. And then he cracked out on any any criticisms within the NSA itself. Um, and it says here, quote, his tenure coincided with two of the biggest black eyes for the intelligence community. The 9-11 attacks, which they failed to prevent, and the Iraq War, where intelligence was manipulated to facilitate the case for a war of aggression, end quote. That's a nice way. Let's just tell the truth about the Iraq War. Not just Michael Hayden, but also Colin Powell. They lied. 
Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. That's it. They knowingly lied to go to war illegally. That's it. Um, so that's what this panel was. And there were four individuals on the panel. Um, and backing up here, according to this article, Michael Hayden has been a critic of WikiLeaks and Assange. He's been vo very vocal about it. Um, and according to this, according to documentation from the dissenter.org, quote, the CIA reportedly planned to poison or kidnap Assange from the Ecuador embassy in London. The CIA supported UC Global, a Spanish security company, has engaged in a spying operation against Assange associates and those who visited him, end quote. This is so crazy sounding. So this panel that was hosted by General Mike Hayden to talk about, let's be honest here, to talk about the Assange case, which again, our courts are supposed to look at evidence, not prejudice. All right? And we really should listen to people that have a clear conflict of interest, like General Michael Hayden, who would love to have somebody else to blame for his own incompetence and possible corruption. So let's look at this. The panel, there were four people on the panel. There was somebody named Mark Zaid, Holden Triplett, Barry Pollock, and Gabe Rotman. Um, uh, uh, let's see now. Pollock who is Assange's criminal defense attorney, and Rotman, uh, Rotman works for the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, were basically, you know, on our side. They opposed using the Espionage Act against journalists, sources. Um, Zaid, Mark Zaid, is a whistleblower attorney, but according to this article, he is, quote, notorious for his opposition to amending the Espionage Act and support for using the law against whistleblowers to give classified information to the media. So, end quote. So, Mark Zaid claims he's a whistleblower attorney, but he's against changing the openly broad nature of the Espionage Act of 1917, which really is just an excuse to, to shut down the free press and to shut down free speech. Okay? That's a, an act Woodrow Wilson pushed, never should have seen the light of day. And then Triplett... Holden Triplett, apparently, according to this, is an ex-FBI agent, and he runs a private consulting firm. And they were trying to justify the, um, the allegations, but the attacks in the indictment against Assange. Um, the anti-Wikileaks speakers were assisted by moderator Sasha Ingberg. Uh, Ingberg is a national security correspondent for Newsy. But, According to this, quote, before working in journalism, Ingra worked for the U.S. State Department. And what was her job? Her job involved, quote, monitoring and debunking Russian disinformation. All right. She shouldn't have been the moderator. She has a clear conflict of interest. I'm sorry. Because once you leave, whether it's the State Department or the CIA or the FBI, you're never really out. Let's cut the crap here. Okay, so, and then, like, for instance, there was a large chunk of the audience that were Assange activists, as well as uh, representatives from transparency groups, press freedom organizations, and independent journalists that, you know, 
are just critical of the this use of the Espionage Act. And so what happened was, for it's a little tired here, the Hayden Center, where it's being hosted, General Mike Hayden, they were previously offering free tickets, and then suddenly they cut it off and said they were sold out. But the room wasn't anywhere near capacity, according to this report. So, you know, Assange's attorney, Pollock, as well as Rotman, who again is, let's see, now I lost my place here, who is, oh man, who's also with the Press Freedom Group, yeah, Rotman's with Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, they kept the facts uh, regarding Julian Assange, all right? Um, Triplett didn't. He was really unhinged in his accusations against Assange. Um, when Triplett was asked to kind of give his opinion on on how Pollock, you know, Assange's attorney had described the issues, um, Triplett just stated that he would not, quote, litigate the case. Uh, instead, quote, he insisted the panel should stay on the wave tops as opposed to getting into specifics. Okay, how can you have an open discussion of this if you won't discuss specifics? All right? And Triplett's view was very different from press freedom advocates. Again, keep in mind, Mr. Triplett is a former FBI agent who runs his own security firm, okay? And he really was pushing the idea that, you know, the government concern about WikiLeaks is legitimate, except that it's not, okay? What happened was the government got caught, and the, and the world found out that our government committed crimes against humanity, period, war crimes. There's no way, other way to put it, and they were unjustifiable, Okay? Um, anyway, and you remember Triplett did serve as, according to this, Director of Counterintelligence for the National Security Council, again, from September 2017 to September 2018. So that, according to this, uh, his tenure overlapped with this alleged CIA plot against Assange. You know, again, this is according as documented by Jacobin.com. This was the United States kidnap, assassinate, the plot to kidnap, assassinate Julian Assange. Okay? Um, according to this report, quote, the CIA's actions were justified legally as offensive counterintelligence. Um, they were, according to the article, quote, they were so outrageous that according to a Yahoo News investigation, members of the National Security Council were deeply disturbed by their illegality. None of this was brought up during the panel, end quote. Okay, this is what we're dealing with, folks. Okay? You can't, you know, again, they tried to whitewash the collateral collateral vid, murder video. Um, you know, uh, once again, this is something that is totally outrageous. Um, I saw the collateral murder video. It was disgusting. You know, once again, a Reuters journalist was one of the people killed by a U.S. gunship. Okay, so, um, you know, this is, let's see now. 
according to Mr. Zaid, the Pentagon did not depict that the Pentagon concluded that the collateral war, the collateral murder video was not a war crime. And according to this article, quote, since the Pentagon exonerated itself, the public had no right to know. Think about that statement. The Pentagon exonerated itself. So none of us had a right to know that a crime against humanity had been committed by our military in our names. Okay? This is outrageous. Okay? So this is what we're dealing with, folks. All right, we're getting short on time here, and I know I've been kind of on a little rant today. All right, so the next story that we're talking about, that everybody's talking about, is Kirsten Cinema. Dear little Kirsten, everybody is, you know, wringing their hands because, you know, Kirsten stopped being a Democrat. She never was one, actually. Um, decided at the worst possible time, to switch teams and to go from being a member of the Democratic Party to an independent. Now, part of it was political survival on her part. Okay, the Arizo- This Arizona State Democratic Party has come out against her. They're furious with her because she has totally disregarded what her constituents want, you know, which is no shock there. You know, Kirsten Cinema has acted as a Republican, period. Uh, Mother Jones did a great piece on her. Uh, it was written by Tim Murphy in 2021, and the headline you can read yourself is, quote, from radical activist to Senate obstructionist, the metamorphosis of Kirsten Cinema." We're getting short on time, so I'm just going to put it out there, okay, because I'm not in good voice today. <sighs> I don't care what her her motives are. I couldn't care less. In my opinion, for whatever it's worth, Kirsten Cinema switched teams because now it puts her in a perfect position to potentially extort power from both sides. I don't think she would have jumped to the Republican Party. That would have been too obvious. You know, think of it strategically. If you were a person that was greedy for power, and I do mean greedy for power. And you had a power distribution like you do in the Senate that is almost even Stephen. There is no – the Democrats have a slight lead. There is no room for – there's no wiggle room at all. If she had jumped to the Republican Party, it would have looked way too obvious, even though she's taken money from Charles Koch and all sorts of conservative sources. Um, the fact very simply is this. If you're really a conniving con artist, you claim to be independent because now each side is looking to see, hmm, can we sweeten the pot to get little Kirsten to come over to our side? And it's, you know, to borrow a sexist trope, can't believe I'm doing this, but to borrow a sexist trope, it's like the the prom, potential prom queen that is two guys fighting for her interests, or two dates, let's put it that way, two dates, and see which date's going to offer her the best deal before she decides who she's going to go to prom with in the 11th hour. That's what she's done here. Nothing more. There, There is no um, 
principled stance on Kirsten Cinema's part. That's nonsense. All right. Uh, Kirsten Cinema, like Joe Manchin, has been influence peddling now for the past several years. It's obvious. There's no guesswork here. And if she were ever going to do this, this was the time to do it. Okay. Notice she did it literally a few days after Raphael Warnock won his U.S. Senate race. If Warnock had lost, I don't think she would have done this. All right. She did this now because, again, before she jumped, it was 51 Democrats to 49 Republicans. Now she jumped and suddenly became an independent. Now it's evened up. And she's going to play the the uh, obstructor like Joe Manchin did. You know, it's almost like Manchin and Cinema are tag teaming each other and taking turns. Put bluntly, okay. If she runs as an independent because she's coming up for re-election in 24, she might not win, but it'd be a win for Republicans because she'd probably split the vote, so the Democrat would lose. Okay, don't tell me she hasn't been paid off for this in some way with some promise of something she wants. Uh, the fact that Kirsten Cinema used to be a green, that she used to be a progressive, is irrelevant now. I don't care. Do not care. I still remember on the vote for a federal minimum wage of $15 an hour, she didn't just vote no with close numbers. But then she had to do the thumbs down and this really obnoxious curtsy. She was literally thumbing her nose at the people that put her in office. She was thumbing her nose at working people. She showed her contempt from all, for all of us. So frankly, I don't give a damn why she did it. As far as I'm concerned, both Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin should face federal criminal investigation for influence peddling. Because it's that obvious. It's that blatant. I wouldn't play with her. I just wouldn't. Done with it. Absolutely done with it. And and for the mainstream news, just, oh, Paragliter Kirsten, and they're talking about the benefits of bipartisanship. Okay, what the hell good is bipartisanship if what they're compromising on is still the same load of garbage where the average worker is still not earning a living wage, where we don't have federal health care for everybody, where we don't have a press shield law, where we don't have our rights. What good does it do? Seriously. It's absolutely absurd. And really what Republicans call bipartisanship, let's call it for what it is, because Democrats won't fight. Democrats, corporate Democrats it is, they play good cop to the Republicans' bad cop. But they don't really put up much of a fight. Progressives do, but corporate Democrats do not. Blue dogs do not. Instead, they do this little dance. And bipartisanship means you let the Republicans bully you, and you go along with it. That's bipartisanship. Nothing else. And frankly, show me where in the Constitution the word bipartisanship actually appears. There's, you know, these Republicans love talking about constitutional originalism. Fine. Where does it appear? There's no mention of bipartisanship at all. 
doesn't exist. What they should be worried about instead is are you representing the people that sent you there? Or are you influence peddling? You know, as far as I'm concerned, we need a more robust Department of Justice that goes after these corrupt legislators. As far as I'm concerned, we're going to talk about another show. We also need to make sure that Congress, members of Congress, it, that they are forced to obey the same laws they impose on the rest of us. A lot of you don't know, but they're not. They actually excluded themselves. Okay? So let's move on, folks. And we're going to go to my favorite my favorite focus. Again, I, I apologize that I've been kind of all over the place tonight. So much stuff was happening. I had to change this program like literally less than an hour before showtime. So kind of bear with me. So now we come to my favorite, my favorite part, the Jackass of the Week Awards. Here we go. Let's get it, Bray. Come on, Jenny Bray. The Jackass of the Week Award. I love it. Bray on, Jenny. Bray on. This week, we have the Jackass of the Week Award, and it goes to none other than Senator Kirsten Sinema. This jackass, or should I say Jenny, has basically played the rest of us for a bunch of idiots. Um, she honestly, I think part of her believes uh, that she's, I, I think she thinks that she's actually fooling people. You know, her arrogance is beyond the pale. So for this and so many other reasons. Kirsten Cinema gets our Jackass of the Week Award. Congratulations, Senator Cinema. Oh, okay. That was a mistake. All righty. We have one more award here. It's a brand new award. These few last few minutes. We've just introduced it. This is the Influence Peddler of the Month. And the Influence Peddler of the Month, our first award goes to Senator Amy Klobuchar has basically written a law, the JCPA, a bill rather, that is full of um, inaccuracies, does the exact opposite of what she claims it will do. It actually benefits big corporate media and big monopolies and hurts independent journalists. Um, so, you know, once again, we're going to have more information about it, but congratulations, Senator Klobuchar, you are our first recipient of the Influence Peddler of the Month. You know, the fact that she used to be a corporate attorney, that was not just a corporate attorney, she was a partner in a corporate law firm, and she, her specialty was telecommunications law. So, uh, you know, I believe when people show you who they are, you should believe them. And so Amy Klobuchar plays a progressive on TV, but it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, when it comes to important policies, you know, she claims the mantle of being a free press advocate because her daddy was a journalist. But then she creates this law, this bill rather, that would criminalize documentation of 
journalistic sources, you know, using copyright law. You'd have to pay a fee every time you link something. And again, it would be a link tax. And a link is not stealing anybody's work. It is merely a footnote, nothing more. So for that, we say congratulations, Senator Amy Klobuchar, for being the influence, the first influence peddler. Let me back up here. I'm starting to stutter. Congratulations, Senator Amy Klobuchar, the first rep- recipient of the Influence Peddler of the Month for writing the JCPA, which is to the independent press a piece of crap. You know, Jew to fellow Jew, Senator Amy, you know, it's a shame. You really shouldn't be such a Ghanif. And those of you who don't know what a Ghanif is, that's a really sleazy thief. To write such a dishonest bill, I can't say I'm shocked at all, but she needs to be called out on it. It is a piece of garbage. So I I had to craft this, put this stuff together very quickly this week. I had to change things suddenly last minute, so I apologize if things seem a bit scattered because, again, everything was happening so fast, but I thought it was important to get this information to you. Um, as quickly as I could. We will be talking about it more in future broadcasts, uh, and by then I will have, you know, I'll have it better organized. So with that, I just remind you, again, call these senators. Call them out. In fact, the congressional switchboard is 1202. 224-3121. I'll repeat it so you can call them. The Congressional Switchboard in Washington, D.C. is 1-202-224-3121. Call Senator Dick Durbin. Demand that he give the Press Act a hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee while the lame duck session is still going on so we can pass the Press Shield Bill and remind him the JCPA, which was dropped, from the NDAA, but I'm sure it will come back, is a piece of garbage. All righty. Enough of my tantrum for today. With that, I say good night, and God bless us, because we need it. Lord save us from these shysters. <laughs>